Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello again, and welcome to the LTI podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I appreciate you joining me again here today. Today, we're going to be getting back into some of the research. We spent the last few weeks going over some of the happenings here at LTI with our year plan coming up here for 2021, what we did last year in 2020, and also a free tool that we launched, which is how to be successful in practice with laser therapy. If you haven't gotten yours yet, I would definitely go check it out. It could be very, very helpful, or it could just be a kind of backstop to make sure that you're hitting all the points you need to in laser therapy within your practice. There will be a link to that in the show notes. You can check that out whenever. Today, though, this is a really interesting topic I'd like to get into uh, because not only are we going to talk about frozen shoulder or adhesive capsulitis, we're also going to talk about laser dosing a little bit. Don't fall asleep on me. I know that sounds really boring right up front, but I think you'll find this kind of interesting because it helps to answer some of the questions we get quite frequently. Things like, how often should I treat? Is it once a week? Is it seven days a week? Twice a day? Uh, What kind of time should I be putting into these treatments? Is it 30 minutes? Is it two minutes? Uh, What about the power levels? What should I do? So this is, I think, pretty interesting because these researchers have done us a huge favor. Let me go ahead and give you uh, the information about the study that I'm referring back to today. This is titled Efficacy of High-Intensity Laser Therapy in Patients with Adhesive Capsulitis, a Sham-Controlled, Randomized Controlled Trial. This was published in 2020 in Lasers and Medical Science. It's quite interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending for you. They say that all groups had good improvements in their range of motion, but the patients that received the active laser treatment had better results in pain and quality of life, but not better results in terms of disability or function with their adhesive capsulitis. Now, they went into this with a hypothesis that they were going to see good pain relief as well as improvement in range of motion, reduction of stiffness, the whole bit. And they didn't see that. So when I saw those results, I thought, you know, that's not too unusual to not necessarily see the the full benefits. Obviously, they still got good reduction of pain in this sham-controlled trial, which is is great. But then when I started looking into their parameters and exactly what they did and how they did it, I thought, ah, I think there is a learning point here for those of us who are looking for more information about dose. Okay, before I get into the setup for this particular study, just a quick recap on adhesive capsulitis in case you're not big into the shoulders or it's been a while since you've heard about this one. So adhesive capsulitis is a fibrosis process that happens in the shoulder, specifically in the shoulder, typically following some kind of overuse injury or a mild sprain strain, sometimes a rotator cuff tear or tendonitis. And what happens is that more chronic inflammation starts this fibrotic process where the tissues around the shoulder become more fibrotic, you have a decreased volume of the glenoid capsule, and you start to lose that range of motion. In many cases, it's one particular range of motion. Patients can still internally rotate just fine, but the external rotation is limited, or the abduction 
is limited or the extension, one or two of those motions will be very limited and it tends to be progressive. It tends to get worse over a period of time. Now this isn't super, super common, but it's in about three to 5% of the population. So you're definitely gonna see it out there if you're working in the physical medicine world. The thing is, your diabetic patients are gonna be much more likely to encounter this, especially after a you know minor injury to the shoulder. They're gonna be more susceptible to this. About 20% of people with diabetes will experience frozen shoulder. And we have more and more people every year that are becoming diabetic. Now, a lot of cases of adhesive capsulitis will do quite well with conservative care, especially physical therapy, chiropractic, exercise, home plans, things like that. But even if people don't do anything, it's a lot of times a self-limiting process. So they'll see some pretty good improvement after two to three years, which is a long time to wait. However, about 40% of patients will have ongoing pain and dysfunction, stiffness, reduced range of motion, even after the three-year period. Whenever you have patients that have reduced range of motion, stiffness, and pain, they're going to use that body part less, which means it's going to get weaker. And if it goes for years, you're talking about a lot more weakness. And then you're going to be more prone to rotator cuff tears, strain sprain injuries. So it is not unusual to see one of these problems, maybe just a minor tendonitis problem, develop into adhesive capsulitis, and then down the road, turn into major rotator cuff tears. And now the person's got to get the shoulder replaced and they could have handled it if they'd gotten good conservative care much earlier. So these researchers went at this with the idea of, let's see if high intensity laser therapy can be a good addition to a conservative care plan so that you can get patients better quicker with, you know, that are dealing with adhesive capsulitis. Quick side note though, we're not talking about surgical laser. We're not talking about damaging any tissues. We're talking about high intensity laser or class four laser therapy, which works the same in the same mechanisms that cold laser or low level laser therapy does, it just operates at a higher power level, which means in most cases you end up with shorter treatments in the five to 10 minute range instead of the 30 to 45 minute range. So the researchers set this up to treat the patients five days a week for three weeks and all the patients got an exercise program supervised by the same PT and then half of the patients, half of the participants got real laser and half the participants got a sham laser treatment. This is really a pretty well-designed, pretty robust study. And what caught my eye right off the bat was that they were treating these patients five days a week. I thought, huh, that's a little unusual for an exercise-based plan and definitely not the norm for what we see with laser therapy. And three times a week or twice a week is, is usually more common with these studies. So this, is, this could be interesting, right? So then I got into the exact method of application they used for the laser. They used a 1064 nanometer laser, which has been well proven to have good therapeutic effects in tissues. And the device they used went up to 15 watts. They applied between eight and 12 watts on a single shoulder for 15 minutes at a dosage rate of 100 joules per centimeter squared. Now, if you've heard me on this podcast before, that's already raising some questions in your mind. Or if you know something about laser already, you might be thinking, that's a little bit non-standard, right? 15 minutes of very high-intensity laser on a small body part like the shoulder, or, you know, a moderate joint like the shoulder, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. If you were talking about a low-level laser at half a watt, that, that sounds about right. 
but we're talking about much, much greater power and a dosage at 100 joules per centimeter squared. That is a very high dose. The WALT dosing guidelines usually says between 5 and 10 joules per centimeter squared, so we're talking a, you know, a 10 times greater dose than is what is normally recommended. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not being hard on these researchers or saying they did anything wrong. We only find out what we know with by researchers who are willing to push the envelope and, and find the limits and find these parameters that work well. These guys did a very high dose five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, along with exercises, and then reevaluated at the end. Now, you know what? This worked out pretty well because patients experienced improved range of motion, less stiffness, and reduced pain, and especially the laser therapy group, the active laser group, much less pain and higher quality of life as well. So to some degree, this worked. But if you know about how laser therapy works, laser therapy works by stimulating improvement in the tissue health, better circulation, better oxygenation, better cellular metabolism. If laser therapy works that way to produce pain relief, then these patients should have also probably seen some increased range of motion above the sham treatment group, right? So what was going on with this particular setup? Well, in my opinion, three days a week is typically going to be enough. Five days a week with a high-intensity laser with an extremely high dose doesn't give the tissues time to recover. It does help to reduce nociceptive input, which means pain reduction for these patients, but not necessarily healing. So this is a case, I think, of somebody doing too much laser. And, you know, I think as clinicians, that's an easy thing to do because we want to help people. We want to help them now, quickly. But in many, time, in many, in many cases... Five days a week is going to be too much for a lot of things, even exercise in, in many cases. It's just, it's too much. You can give the patient some things to do for mobility at home uh, on those off days, but in many cases you want to be two to three times a week for an exercise plan, and the same goes for laser therapy. Two to three times a week is often about right because it gives the tissues some downtime, some time in which they can heal and recover and improve tissue health in between the application of exercise and laser therapy. Also, the very high dose, you know, obviously it helped with reducing pain, but maybe the researchers would have seen better pain relief with better range of motion with a lower dose. Now again, they didn't do anything wrong. Actually, the patients came out doing much better with laser than they did without getting laser. However, Laser Therapy Institute exists to help fine-tune these laser therapy protocols, the settings, the treatment plans, the frequency, how long the treatments are, how to even apply the laser, what patterns to be used. Things like this are exactly why we have those protocols. Because, yes, getting laser in there definitely helps these patients. However, there's a more effective, more efficient way to do that. If you want to learn more about our protocols, please head over to the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can contact us and tell us more about your clinic and what you're looking to do with laser therapy. We offer a large variety of training options, so definitely check that out. We can even help you select your next laser if you're looking to get into laser. And you know what? If you have questions that you can't find answers to on our website, you can email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. Thanks very much for joining me, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, 
Become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.